This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Then this sex tape happened. Under normal circumstances, you bury that sex tape. The Kardashians said, we're not going to bury this thing. We're going to act like we're upset, but we're going to sell this. So they blew it up. And so on the back of a sex tape, they built an empire. Let's crack in. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast, episode number five. This episode is one of the big reasons why I want to start this thing in the first place, because this week I've got two amazing guests, Warriors President of Basketball Operations and GM Bob Myers, and Entertainment Tonight's Kevin Frazier, two of my favorite guys ever to talk to. Two guys that I could rap with until they kicked us off the stools and called us an Uber. And on radio, you can't do that. I only get 10 or 12 minutes max to have those guys chat. Here, we roll the tape, and then we see what happens. I had a great time drilling down with both Bob and Kay Frazier, and I think we went some places and got into some different topics that you're really going to enjoy. And once again, places that we could never go on my radio program. Now, before I get to those conversations and to the voicemails, give me a moment so I can talk to you about Da Vinci. In today's digital business world, the face-to-face meeting still matters, but you can skip the noisy coffee shops and the expensive hotel conference rooms and simply book a DaVinci meeting room. DaVinci provides you instant access to over 5,000 incredibly affordable meeting rooms in well-known office locations in every city, and they make it so easy, you just search, book, and meet. Your DaVinci meeting room comes fully staffed and equipped with all the latest tech plus high-speed internet. Whether you need a day office or a conference room, a boardroom, or a training space, DaVinci has what you need to make your next business meeting a success. Best of all, DaVinci meeting rooms start at only $10 an hour. Entrepreneurs, startups, Fortune 500 companies all enhance their images with professional meeting spaces from DaVinci. Book your space right now at davincimeeting.com slash Rome, and the first hour is on them. That's davincimeeting.com slash Rome, and the first hour is free. Terms and conditions do apply here. For details, see davincimeeting.com slash Rome. Where are you holding your next meeting? I have an amazing conversation with Bob Myers coming up in just a minute, but before I get there, I have to clear the tape on my machine once again. I cannot tell you how badly I want to kill this voicemail segment. Believe me, I do. And trust me, I've tried. But as usual, with everything I've ever done in my entire career, my least favorite things are your favorite things ever. And since I live to give, and I am a man of the people, the voicemail somehow, someway, lives to fight another week. Now, if you didn't already know, I do have an answering machine, and it's set up specifically for this podcast. The idea is you can call at any time about anything at all. If you don't have the number, and frankly, I don't even know why I'm giving it to you, because I'm going to kill this thing in about an hour. But if you don't have that number, and you want to write it down or maybe even save it to your phone, here it is, 
And on the off chance that I bring this thing back next week, you go right ahead and use it. And if you do, make damn sure you're better than what we're about to hear. You have 15 new messages. First new message. Aaron in Omaha wanted to uh, give an early congratulations to either Antonio Cromartie or Alvy, whoever uh, ended up getting Kylie Jenner pregnant. Message deleted. Next message. Good morning. How are you? I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Stop it! You son of a bitch. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Johnny Jumpman, Jumplesuit. This is Brad in the 206. I'm a professional squirrel hunter. A secret to the squirrel hunting? You gotta stalk their nuts. Message deleted. Next message. Uh, Jim, it's, uh, it's Brett. Brett Favre, uh, just wondering if you got those pictures I text you. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, what's up, Rome? This is Fabian from LA, Doggy Dog. Hey, right now I'm watching, uh, Corey Seager, uh, on the, on Dodger game. Dude, they try to say that he might end up with 40 home runs. I'm here, I'm calling my shot, homie. 42, okay? 42, damn it. Message saved. Next message. Rome, what up, man? It's Jeff in SoCal. I'm down here at the WNBA Finals Radio Row. So far, I'm the only one out here doing interviews, but uh, the WNBA Championship has two teams from the same conference in the finals. God, it's so s- Message deleted. Next message. Romy, Josh from Rochester. Truck Driver Nation here. Just letting you know, the show and podcast make the roads a little bit shorter, man. Message saved. Next message. Romulus, Kyle in Albuquerque. Is it weird if I can't stop thinking about Tiger's 15th club still? Message deleted. Next message. That's Mac. I just want to tell you this is Larry Brown. I'm giving you full, full permission to play the crank call. Message deleted. Next message. Message deleted. Next message. Jim, it's Rex in Albuquerque again. It looks like your executive producer, Adam Hawk, is at it again, sending videos on Twitter with his cat on his skateboard crashing into his couch. Please put Hawk on a performance improvement plan immediately. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, it's your boy Broadway Vic. Did you see my main man, Jordan Howard? He put the team on his back, dude. And you know how much money he's getting this year? $600,000 before taxes. That's one-thirtieth of what that scrub Mike Glennon is making this year. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, man. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be tailbacks. And that's my hot take of the day. Rock me! Rock him! Message saved. Next message. To all the NFL and NBA players who believe that the earth is flat, the earth is as round as Sidney Crosby's ass. <laughs> yeah, it's as, the earth is as round as Sidney Crosby's ass. The earth is not flat and neither is Sidney Crosby's ass. Message deleted. Next message. Yo, Rome, on behalf of all Uber drivers. 
I want to say thank you. You've made our job a thousand times better. My friends say, hey, man, when you do all that Uber driving all day, sitting down, you're going to get fat. Fat? And I say, no, man, I'm not going to get fat. Fat? i tell you what, it's fat. Fat is Jim Rome's new podcast. That sh is fat. Fat, fat, fat. Message saved. Next message. Fat. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Damn. Here we go again. You know, I really feel like you clones are forcing my hand. Brett Favre. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Larry Brown. Jeff in SoCal, quote, calling from the WNBA's radio row. Hey, Jeff, that kind of garbage is going to get you run from the radio program. You know that. So it's obviously going to get you run from the voicemail. And no, Crow did not get Kylie Jenner pregnant. Neither did my engineer, Alvi. Alvi only gets Mill pregnant. Mill is his wife. But I will say this. Vic's call is now a trend. Last week, we had Benny and Wisco getting reps on the voicemail. Now we have Victor putting down a straight take. These guys are made men. Smack off participants. If the voicemail is good enough for them to call, it should be good enough for you to call. That's the one silver lining. That's the one reason this thing might, might live to see another day. Because it sure as hell isn't crank calls, and I know it's not, quote, Sidney Crosby's luscious ass. Let me tell you about my guy, Bob Myers. Fascinating, fascinating guy. He's the president of basketball operations and the general manager of the world champion Golden State Warriors. And that might be the least interesting thing about him. Bob was a walk-on at UCLA, where he became a national champion ultimately. He was a successful agent, starting under the legendary Arn Tellum, before joining the Warriors front office, and less than a year later, he was promoted to general manager. I spent a lot of time talking to Bob. This was the first time, though, that we did not have a clock running up against it. And like we always do, we covered a lot of different topics, including his annual game at San Quentin and the President of the United States taking dead aim at his star player. As the Warriors get ready to defend their title, Bob found time for his first appearance on the pod, and he killed it like he does everything else in his life. These are interesting times, are they not? Oh, man. It's, uh... <laughs> you, you think you, you had to figure it out, but, but this stuff, no. I mean, this is... There's no script for this stuff. What did you think the first time you heard the president say that the Warriors would not be welcome at the White House? Yeah, you know, it was a surprise, really. Um, I, I heard about it early Saturday morning, so, I, you know, you thought it was a possibility, but, but, I, but I at least thought we would have a chance to meet as a team and discuss the idea of if we were to go to the White House, how would we go and give everyone a chance in the organization, the players, everybody else that represents our, our team, to voice their opinion. And I guess that the, the surprise and shock of not getting that opportunity kind of hit me, but um, it, wasn't, it wasn't completely unexpected. But I heard about it the same way you did. There was, I didn't know about it until the tweet, so caught me off guard. Had the president not withdrawn that invitation, would the team have just declined it anyway? You know, I don't know, Jim. I mean, the question is, you heard some comments from some of our players, and those are powerful guys and in the organization and guys we respect and deserve to have a huge voice. Um, but I've, I've been in a situation where, uh, in my life, and I'm sure you have, where you have an idea of how you want to proceed, and you get together, and 
collaborate and, and have an open forum and you come out with a different idea. I'm not saying that would happen, but we'll never know. I can't begin to understand the thoughts and feelings of some of our players, nor would I try. I'd love to have heard them. Um, but, again, I think that's what was most disappointing, just not having the opportunity to flush it out and, and uh, have those type of discussions. So we move on. Did anybody come to you? Was there any player that came to you and said, you know what, I think we should go. I do want to go. I didn't get any back-channeling in regards to, hey, man, um, I, I really want to go. I don't, I, 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 you know, we should definitely go. I, I, got, I got people saying, uh, look, let's, I'm looking forward to talking about it and hearing what everybody has to say. Um, but but that, was, that was the extent of kind of the, the openness of going or not going. And, again, there's a very complex uh, issue with many different opinions with, with the um, threat of kind of offending a large group of people one way or the other. And so you want to be respectful of that. And the, the only thing we can do and we're prepared to do, Jim, was let's uh, approach it properly. You know, and I, I honestly, I, I kind of I wish we would have had that chance. And I'm not saying that uh, upset with any one individual. I'm just saying that would have been a good exercise for us as a team. Sure. Now, Bob, you made your trip, your annual trip to San Quentin to play the inmates. This is the sixth time you've done this. It's an amazing day for all concerned. Before we talk about the latest version of this game, you got to take us back. How did the annual game come to be, and why is it so important to you and the organization to take part? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I started here six years ago, Jim, and I didn't. You know, I lived in L.A. for a long time and uh, loved play basketball. And then I'd heard through our assistant GM, Kirk Lakeup, that there was a group that went into San Quentin and played against the prisoners. And like most normal human beings, I thought that's just a stupid, that's crazy. Why would you... Why would anybody want to go do that? You can go play basketball somewhere else. You don't need to go play basketball in San Quentin. Sure. But, you know, hearing about it and hearing about the experiences of guys that went in and played there, uh, it was it, it's something that's hard to put into words as far as the, the, the feeling that you get and, and what you leave with, the mark that it makes on you. And so about six years ago, he said, you want to play? And I said, yeah, I do. I guess I wanted to go, and why I continue to go is, I don't want to sit here um, and think that the way I've lived and the way I live represents the entirety of our country. Uh, I, I want to understand, you know, as many different sides of it as I can, which means San Quentin is a side of who we are. Unfortunately, like it or not, there's a ton of people in prison, and they didn't get the same opportunities that I had growing up. Um, now, I don't want to condone what they did to get in there, because to be in there, you, you had to do something serious or a sequence of things that are serious. But I do want to be empathetic for, for what happened in these guys' lives up to that moment. I, I would tell you 90% of the guys I saw six years ago, maybe 95, are still in there. And so, yeah, you, you, you get to know these guys. I don't know the real names, but I know the names they go by. So there's a guy in there that, you know, he's a guy that played basketball. He played basketball growing up. He's a good player. Um, played at San Francisco State, but he did something. I don't know what he did. I think he got caught with a bad group of people. And he's been in there, and you can tell he, he cares about basketball a lot. And he's a, he, he's a, he plays really hard, because I'm always guarding this guy. And when we lost, we lost by one point, he was crying. He was literally crying after the game. And, I mean, look, you don't probably see a lot of grown men crying in San Quentin because they're emotionally overjoyed it's usually probably from suffering or or physical pain and he came up afterwards and, and i said man i said good game i said you guys deserved it and 
he, he was still kind of teared up. And I said, what, what's going on? He said, I'm, I'm getting out of here in March. And, and he said, he's like, hey, you know, maybe uh, I, could, I, could, I could get a look with your guys' D-League team. And, and, and I, I pulled over Kent Lakeup, who's our D-League GM, and I said, you should talk to this guy. Look, I don't know if he's making our team or not, whatever. But the point is, is the guy's getting out of prison. Uh, I don't know how long he's been in there. He's been in there a while. And for one day, he probably felt human. He probably felt like he wasn't in prison um, or, or he saw some light. I know why you go in there. I'm curious, what was it like the first time you went in there? <laughs> what was it like the first time you walked through the gates of San Quentin? And what kind of instructions were you given? Yeah, well, the first thing you realize is you can't, all these things you assume, no no uh, phones, no nothing metal, and the color restrictions, like nothing, it's it's green, black, or or white colors, maybe gray, but no no blue, no red, and no orange, no yellow, and, and they're strict. You don't joke around uh, when you're told this is what you're doing. Um, you don't bring your phone. You got you have nothing on you um, when you go in there, um, and you feel like the, just the entry into it is about four steel iron doors, and there's an archaic feeling. This is not a modern prison. Even the writing on the wall, when you look in there to the left where death row is, it says adjustment center. It's written in this gothic kind of lettering. The first time you go, if you can, when you you're going to come. Right. Whenever it ha- you're going to come in there, and I'm going to ask you on the way out. I'm like Jim, and you're going to tell me I I don't know. I I don't. I can't. I can't answer that right now. I, I, it's too much to process. But you're going to think about it. You're going to think about it a lot, and then one day you'll answer it. Um, movies sometimes do do real life justice. The prison yard with the tattoos and the shirts off and the and the and the guys doing the pull ups on the bar and staring. At, that's real. That is San Quentin. I mean, and, and the sad thing is. It can be segregated. There's a lot of young people in there. I felt like, oh my gosh, um, pretty lucky to have never even ventured near this line. You know, and so many people live on this edge of life where, you know, one false step. But it was, it was a moment of gratitude as far as, wow, I'm pretty lucky. Before we move off that topic, what about the basketball? Now, I found you after this year's game. And, in fact, you lost this year's game 102-101. to I found you right after the game, and I asked via text, did you fill it up? Because you've had some pretty big games there. <laughs> Your response was, and I quote, the numbers were good, but they were wiped out by the L, my man. And I said, I get that. But what you didn't tell me, though, Bob, is that you went off for 32 points and 31 boards. 32 and 31. So when you're feeling it like that out there and the competitive uh. juices are kicking in, are you talking a little bit of trash and running junk, or do you just jog back down I, to the other I, end of the court? I um, So they're talking to you, not not the players as much, um, although they do a little bit because you get to know them, and they know what they can say. Um, like I said, it's six years with some of these guys. But there's guys on the side saying something. So I, I kind of figure, what's the upside of, you know, what if, I'm, what if I piss one of these dudes off that's an inmate in San Quentin by something I said, and he's watching the game? Like, I just don't see... I don't see a lot of upside in that move, although you get emotional out there. Um, when we were in there with Luke Walton, I was in there with Luke Walton four, three or four years ago, and we were, it was a close game. That's the last time we lost. And I said to Luke, I said, you know, Luke, you've got to start playing, man. We're going to lose. And he goes, Bob, what's, you know, come on, man. These guys are in San Quentin. He's like, what's a better story? And I said, I, and I said yeah, but, you know, we're, we didn't come here to lose. And we lost. And then so the way this one went down, it's how it should have went down. I mean, I didn't try to lose, but the way we lost, um, you know, sometimes you think there's bigger things 
going on up there um, when you have some distance from it. I wanted to win. My wife was telling me, she's like, why didn't you, uh, why do you ever win? Why don't you just let them win? Right. And I said, well, that's not, I said, but that, that wouldn't mean anything. I said, they know we tried, and that's why it meant something that they won. They know we wanted to win. I don't know, man. The hard part, Jim, is like these guys have done some things, but on the basketball court, when I interact with them, they've, they're, they're, they're nicer than some of the guys at the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. They are. That, I'm, sure. But, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure. They didn't, you know, so that's the hard part to reconcile. Bob, I appreciate you sharing that story. In the offseason, it's been a very interesting offseason. Chris Mannix of Yahoo Sports reported, and I quote, many in Golden State, team officials and players alike, have taken note of Durant's oddball offseason and are perplexed by it, end quote. You probably have seen that story or heard that mm-hmm. quote. What's your response to it? Yeah, I mean, I don't. that's not me and that's not Steve. Um, you know, I don't want to dispute what Chris is saying, because I'm sure he talked to somebody, but um, I can tell you from the highest level that that, that doesn't represent, you know, the, me, myself, Steve, anybody. So when you're in a position of leadership or senior position in the organization, you have to decide where you need to put your attention or address somebody or something. And if you know Kevin, and I'm sure you've had him on, he's not a problem for anybody here. He's well-liked by his teammates. He's well-liked by our community. He does a ton of positive things. Um, so when that went down, I just said to Kevin, I'm like, hey, man, I, I'm sure you feel awful, which he did. And I said, um, so there's two things we do when we, when we make mistakes. I said, uh, and I said, Kevin, I make them. I said, and you're going to make more, and so am I. And, and by the way, Kevin, so is everybody. But you, you apologize. And I said, you, you, you do that as directly as you can. If you can do it in person, you do it in person. If you can't, you pick up the phone, and then you learn. Right? That's all you do. Because there's nobody in life that's going to say, don't make, don't, don't make any more mistakes. Well, that's ridiculous. Um, but you don't want to make the same ones again and again. So, and if you talk to Kevin, you know him. He's got an unbelievable um, heart. He does great things. He's, he's, he's a guy that is beloved here. He's not, he's not tolerated. He's beloved uh, within the organization. He doesn't seek attention. If you, you know, we have, we've had three practices now. Um, he's always a guy encouraging his teammates, all these things. So I think that was just a moment where he, he probably regretted it and said he did, and you move on. But organizationally, you know, there, you have to decide, Jim, what, what should things I, I worry about. And a lot of times there's things going on, and, and, and there isn't now, but sometimes there is, that nobody ever hears about that are much more important and something you have to address. They don't come out publicly. Those are the things you really got to watch out for. So if you're under that microscope and there's that much scrutiny, what do you do? What do you do in a world where you've got social media trolls who have nothing better to do than to get up in the morning and try to hook a professional athlete? What's your message to your team in that regard? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I always ask, let's say somebody sends me, like we hang up, you know, we're we're done with this, and I get a text, and they said, somebody says, "Warriors, warriors are arrogant. My immediate response is, who wrote it? Who said that? And then they'll, they'll tell me what person wrote it or said it. And then I'd say, is anybody quoted in there? Those are the first things I ask because you have to first understand um, not every criticism, not every praise is the same. If you said something to me and I'm getting to know you, I'm going to take that a lot differently. I've, I've, I've seen you. I've been with you on the air. I know your show. I know who you are a little bit. I'm not going to give credence the same to someone I don't know. Just as if you sat me down and said, hey, Bob, you know, I, I heard what you said. As a friend, you know, I, don't, I think you should have said it differently. I'm going to hear that. 
right, as opposed to someone I don't know. And it's not to say the person I don't know is wrong. I'm not discounting a random anonymous opinion. But as individuals, we have to decide how we process information and what we take, just like your mom or dad or sibling or spouse or kids. That has to have exponential impact on you. These are the people that are in your, that are in your circle. Um, outside of it, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you, you don't interact with people, especially if you're a, a huge in the public eye, a lot of these guys. But you also have to understand, you know, you can't, the, you can't, the, you can't accept the praise and not accept the criticism. You have to find a way to accept all of it. You know, I didn't grow up in this era like you didn't, where you know people were we're on social media all the time. It's different. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. The reason why is I don't have enough time to spend with my kids and wife and friends and family and job. I, I literally don't have five minutes to waste on, on this or that. And if something comes up on Twitter and it's important, somebody's going to tell me. It'll find me. Now, it may find me 12 minutes later than I would have gotten it, but it's going to come my way. I feel like you have to have clarity on what's in front of you and what's important. I've not found a person that can, can live in the social media completely and then still maintain equilibrium in the rest of their life. I think it's really hard. And I'm not demeaning those people. Um, some people have to be out there on that stuff. But to me, you have to work extra hard then to take care of your own life and your own marriage and your own kids and your own job because we all pretend like we can, we can take it all. We've got great bandwidth, but we all only have 24 hours every day and only so much energy, and I've got to give that energy to certain things that matter. So you try to have those conversations. I would, just, what, I, what I said to you, I would say the same thing to Kevin or Steph, and they may look at me and say I'm crazy, or they, hopefully they hear some of it. But, but those are the conversations that you have to educate um, and understanding I'm not them. I don't know what it's like to be them, and I'm not the same age. So, you know, I, I don't like preaching to somebody when they say, look, I grew up with this stuff. I didn't get a cell phone until after college, right. you know. So I don't know what it's like to get a cell phone at 10 years old or 12 or what the Internet. I got Internet after college. So all these things you just want to understand. We have our own opinion, but by no means do I completely understand where everybody else is coming from. No, you're right, Bob. You and I did not grow up with this. And I, I talk to my own kids, and they kind of look at me like I've got four eyes because <laughs> they did grow up with this, and it's where they live and what they do. But I agree with you. I would have the same conversation and, in fact, do with my kids. Now, you didn't grow up with it, and I know you're not looking for any of the credit, but even your players try to give you credit. Take Draymond Green. At the last championship parade, he was asked, and he said, I quote, can somebody give Bob some fucking credit, end quote. <laughs> He said it. That's him, not me. Yeah. What was your reaction to it? Because you're never going to make it about you, but yeah. Draymond wanted to make it about you. Yeah. I was like, la- you know, usually, because Draymond and I are pretty close, and he uh, he normally would come up to me and say, hey, man, I'm going to say something about you. You all right with that? But he didn't do that, uh. um, and that's fine. So I was, so I was surprised. I, I literally looked at my wife. And I said, what did he say? Because I, I, I didn't, you know, when, obviously when he said, you know what he said. I I I, I kind of looked. I said, "Did he just? What did he just say?" But that's nice. It's just nice um, because not because he said it or anything like that. But um, I'm always uh, appreciative of anybody that feels like I helped them out. And I feel like if you know these players, the best you can give them as a GM is a chance to win. And if they feel like you've given them that and given them an environment to succeed, that that that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I don't know how you you're you're much more 
known and I don't know what the right word is, famous or, or whatever, than, than I am. And I don't know. I don't know that that's, I don't know what that is. I mean, you've been dealing with it a long time. Uh, that's that. That's not true, first of all. But I, but but I, I know what you're saying, though, Bob. That's not why you got yeah, into I know, it. You're right. You that's know, that's not saying. why you got into it. I know yeah. if it were up to you, you'd yeah. love to have the the anonymity. I love the fact, and we'll leave on this. I love that when you got that job, that your wife actually said to you, "Will there be any media?" What was your response when she said that to you? You know, I don't give my wife enough credit because I'm not that bright at, at looking at what's going on in the moment. I'm I'm more one of these people that thinks I know what I'm talking about, and I look back and go, "What the hell was I thinking?" So when she said there's going to be media, she, she had the foresight to say, you know, this, this might be more than you think. And I said, look, I grew up there. Like, I didn't know who the GM was. Nobody cares. But it wasn't me trying to placate my wife. I actually thought that. Like, if I had a lie detector strapped to my right wrist, it would have shown this guy's telling the truth. Yeah. So I wasn't trying to dismiss her. I was thinking, like, yeah, there's, there's no media. Like, yeah, maybe a couple of beat writers. I'm an idiot is the bottom line. I mean, any GM has a ton of media. Um, I couldn't have seen this type of media. But what you said before that is what is hard to, to kind of figure is I don't do any of this. And, and people that are hearing this are probably saying bullshit. You know, that y- yes, you, you do this because you want. I really don't. I do this because I love basketball. It's, it's being part of a team and trying to reach a goal. And, and so that's the fulfillment of it for, for me. What was your reaction, Bob, when you saw the Thunder get Carmelo Anthony? And I'm sure it will play out, but does that move maybe make them your biggest threat in the West? Certainly one of them. The, the thing that's great is, um, you know, everybody's anointing us something or other, or we're going to win, but, but nobody in our conference in the NBA, or, they don't have to subscribe to that. So they're saying, yeah, well, whatever. What are we going to do, just give up? I mean, these teams are, are aggressive. they got really good GMs, smart guys that um, – they're not going to lay down, and if anything, they're going the other way. They're they're pushing harder. You want that, right? I mean, the best, you know, our rivalry with Cleveland. It may it's appealing. I mean, anytime you can have great competition, that's why people watch sports. They don't watch it for just one team to do, you know, to 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 not have fair competition. So the West is going to be stacked. We're going to have some, you know, whether it's Houston or Oklahoma City. Obviously, San Antonio never goes away. Minnesota's kind of revamped. Portland, you know, with when healthy is really really tough. The Clippers are good. I mean, all these teams, we don't expect internally, we don't have to sign up for how people view us. We know we got to go play. Uh, but what we're seeing in the West and in the NBA is nobody's complacent. And uh, certainly in our conference, nobody's going to concede and they're coming after us. But that's what makes it good. There's going to be some really good games and uh, great playoffs and should be fun. Well, the irony of this is for somebody who would rather be anonymous. And for somebody who's not looking for the media, I've always felt that you needed more media or at least more time for the media that we have. I'm so glad that we could come together for this podcast because, frankly, as great as you've been in the jungle on my radio program, I always leave that thinking, it's great that we leave them wanting more, but he needs more time. He needs more room. So I really appreciate you giving us that time and that room, Bob. That was outstanding. Hey man, I, you know what? You, um, I really like how you do what you do, Jim. I mean, I don't, like I said, I'm, I'm more getting to know you than know you, but I, uh, I appreciate questions and I appreciate you giving me a, a forum. It's been good. I, I kind of got to admire you from afar and had to, had to beg Raymond. I said, if you can ever get me on Rome show, you know, and, and not because I, you know, I, I guess I should have said if I could ever talk to him, because I'd rather just you hang out with you at a game than do the, do the show, but this is fun too. From one of the most interesting men in basketball to one of the hardest working men in all of Hollywood, Kevin Frazier is a straight legend in our industry.
the co-host of Entertainment Tonight, the founder of HipHollywood.com, a guy who's done everything in this business from hosting SportsCenter to emceeing the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And you will absolutely love Butta, breaking down sports, entertainment, and everything in between, even breaking down why he's known as Butta. We cover a lot of ground, from the Kardashians to Tom Cruise to the worst scandals in sports and entertainment. I was pissed when this conversation ended. Butter! Yo, yo! What's up, man? You know, to this day, people still call me Butter. They'll hop in my Instagram. They'll be like, Butter! Butter. What's up, butter? <laughs> it's so great. You know how great that is? It's so great that I forget why we call each other butter. You know, or why I okay. call you butter. This is, this is, and it's a ridiculous story. Um, it had to do when we were doing our bad, bad show, the FX Sports Show. Right. And we were sitting in a room watching all the games with our producer, and we were watching highlights, and we were watching scores, and everything happened. And we saw something that was a replay, but we all jumped up like it was real. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, if you think it's butter, but it's not. And you were like, butter, butter, butter. And it just built from there. This crazy butter thing just built from there. And it, it lived. It's lived ever since. Oh, I'm, so glad. Your story. I, I'm so glad you laid that out like that, Kevin. In fact, it's so funny. It's taken me back. I remember we were watching those games, and inevitably somebody would make a play because we'd watch a bank of TVs. And I'd be like, holy shit, did you see that? Yeah, an hour ago, where you been? <laughs> right. And that's how that thing became butter. Butter, was it live or not? That's right. Is it live or isn't it? Because we were just, we were so stupid. I mean, we were looking, we literally, were. and that's back when those were big TVs. Those weren't flat screens. Right. Those were those big, crappy sets that were four <laughs> by three. So, I mean, everybody needs to understand. And now they do. Technology they do. wasn't where it is today. No, it's not. Butter, thanks for sharing that. Listen, you keep a very close eye on sports and politics. So let me start right here. What do you make of Donald Trump calling for NFL owners to fire, quote, the son of a bitch players who kneeled during the national anthem. I know we've covered this, but I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a couple of things that people need to take in uh, need to take in with this whole thing of the kneeling with the national anthem and all that stuff. And it it's been laid out that you know it was a deal made with the NFL to have the players out there. I mean, it was a commercial deal. They got money from the Department of Defense to have the players out there. And I got to tell you, you know, I used to work with my father for years. He was a basketball coach, and we would travel to these big schools because he was coaching at Morgan State University, a smaller school, and we would travel to these schools and. He would always say, notice that the teams leave the court during the national anthem. I always want to make our guys stand out here during the national anthem. So whether it was, you know, someplace big like North Carolina State, Missouri, or wherever, he would always make the guys stay out there during the national anthem. But I was in, it just, I was so fascinated that people got caught up in this because I was like, for so long, the players weren't on the field for the national anthem. Why now does it make a di- It didn't make a difference back in the 70s and in the, in the early 80s that the players weren't there. Players that you loved, who you knew were patriots, and, and they weren't on the field. And it also goes back to think about how this began. Steve Weiss noticing Colin Kaepernick kneeling down. And that's because Steve has a great relationship, Steve Weiss from the NFL Network, noticing Colin. What if he hadn't looked down at him? What if he hadn't asked what was going on? Where would we be today? And how would we look at this? And lastly, I, I just I say to people, is this president, even though he will at times say childish things, is he also a mad genius from distracting everyone from the fact that 
They're not going to vote on Obamacare. They're not going to be able to overturn Obamacare. The wall's not getting built. All kinds of things are going wrong. All these campaign promises he made are not happening. But he has been able to divert everyone's attention away from the health care debate and that that has failed again because we're all talking about kneeling and arguing about the American flag. Mm. The ultimate misdirection, if that's the case. All right, Kevin, let me move on to something else. And I appreciate your thoughts on that. I was checking you out on Instagram, and I thought you dropped some straight fire the other day when you referenced the movie Get Out in a post about rapper Travis Scott knocking up 20-year-old Kylie Jenner, saying, quote, welcome to the sunken place, brah. Now, I'm not going to ask you to explain the reference because people need to see the insane movie, but I'm going to ask you about the first family of celebrity, the Kardashians. How do you explain their ascent? How do you explain their popularity? And most of all, how weird is it, Butta, that these people are running their freaking empire out of Calabasas? And don't get that twisted. I grew up in Calabasas. I went to Calabasas High School. Kevin, I didn't have their hellified jack. Break this and this freaky clan down for me. Okay, well, this is the first thing that everybody has to understand about the Kardashians. The mother, Kris Jenner, is a mad genius. She's a marketing genius. She really is. And I don't think people give her enough credit for having built this empire. Now, did she build this empire at the expense of her children and their sanity? Um, Some would say yes, because remember... Let's go all the way back to the Genesis when Kim was working for Paris Hilton. She was working for Paris Hilton, and basically, and and to put it in sports terms so everybody can understand this, go back to the New England Patriots when Tom Brady was the backup, right? Basically, Kim Kardashian was backing up Paris Hilton. She was her friend. She'd hop on the line. She'd hop on the um, in front of the you know cameras every once in a while. But basically, she just hung around with Paris Hilton trying to get famous. And then this sex tape happened. Now, under normal circumstances, you bury that sex tape. The Kardashians said, we're not going to bury this thing. We're going to act like we're upset, but we're going to sell this because Vivid Video is going to make a ton of money from it, and so are we. We're going to get a check from this. So they blew it up. And so on the back of a sex tape, they built an empire Hmm. because they were smart enough to understand that, and she was smart enough to understand that part of what makes people love the Internet so much is sexuality. And so she built this crazy thing on Kim's sexuality, and then from there she turned it into an empire. She parlayed it into an empire. And so at the end of the day, it's one of the greatest come-ups I've ever seen, but also to keep it going, the keeping up with the Kardashians. Think about, and which gets us to the men, they are also great at kind of zapping people's powers. You know, if there was a monster that could go and it could zap you and suck off your powers and it could take away your power and then your popularity and live off of your popularity, that's what the Kardashians do. I mean, look at who they marry. And and the mom started out smartly. She said, let's see, America's favorite person is Bruce Jenner, Mr. America. So here I am. I'm married to Bruce Jenner. And if you look subsequently, the girls, who they've dated, how they've flowed, who they've – Kim with Reggie Bush at the height of everything that was going on with Reggie Bush. Kim was right there with him. Um, and it goes on and on. I mean, Chloe, she's done the league. I mean, she has, she's dated a few guys in the NBA. Now she's with Tristan Thompson, who, who is a world champion. Let's see how long that lasts. But it's just – it's interesting. And from there, they built this empire. And now you have Kylie, who, by the way – is the one who is making the most money now. 
Kylie has parlayed her popularity with with youngsters, with teenagers selling all kinds of products and using her sexuality to bring people into it. And it's crazy, Jim, because this is what it's always built on, sexuality. And by the way, they will turn this thing, her pregnancy from Travis Scott, they will turn it into a way to make money, a way to pipe the show, a way to get her another show, a way to extend her show. But that's the genius of Kris Jenner. Mm. Now, has she done it at the expense of her children? I think so, but it is what it is. Kevin, all right, so one thought about that before we move on. You mentioned the men. What about Lamar Odom? You mentioned Chloe. You know, Chloe was supposed to be the cool Kardashian. What about Lamar? Look, we all make our choices. We all make our decisions. Ultimately, that's what makes all of us. Lamar is no different. But as you look at Lamar and Chloe, did she do more to try to save him or to wreck him? Now, I'm going to tell you from my vantage point, it wrecked him because here is the deal with Lamar. And you know this, Jim, from covering Lamar from back in the day. Lamar never really had that family atmosphere growing up as he bounced around from high school to high school and then college. And finally, when he was at Rhode Island, you know, he found someone who looked after him and he kind of was trying to build a family. But I will tell you this, the year before he met Chloe, just months before he met Chloe, Lamar wins an NBA championship. He comes to the MTV Movie Awards and walks on the red carpet and people are like, who is that? And I'm like, it's Lamar Odom from the NBA (laughs) champion world, from the world champion Lakers. And like, who? Okay. He had on a crazy suit. And he never, Lamar didn't have any endorsements until he met Chloe. And he met Chloe. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you see is Chloe and Lamar doing a commercial for pistachios. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're bringing you into the family. Then they get the TV show. Now, all of a sudden, the Kardashians are sitting sideline at the Lakers game when the Lakers were the team in the NBA during that second run with Kobe and um, Pau Gasol. And so all of a sudden, you're like, wow, they have sur- they have, they have taken his power and they've used it to their advantage the keeping up with the kardashian cameras are filming them courtside they're in the middle of the hottest thing in the country and they have figured out a way to weasel their way in so at the end of the day when things started to go wrong for lamar when he got traded to dallas and they still wanted to shoot the show chloe and lamar and he just couldn't even handle the trade instead of saying hey we need to back up and focus on lamar for a minute i don't feel they did When he was in that hospital, I know I sat with Lamar's family and friends that were in that hospital, and we sat down in the waiting room. The Kardashians sat upstairs. They had a room off of his room, off of EC, off the um, off the um, ICU, and you know it was just interesting that they didn't want to bring his close friends and family up there, at least to just sit with them. That they separated everyone, and they separated the friends and family from there. I just, I, I was, I was fascinated by that, and I was fascinated by a story that, and I'm telling you, this is what one of his friends told me that Chloe would call Lamar, and there was that time on TMZ where Lamar, they said he was chasing Chloe, and he went to, he went to harass her while she was going to work out. Right now, the guy that rode with him said to me. He said, no, we drove down there. They were talking the whole time on the phone. That's how he knew where she was because she said, here, I'm going here. Come here. And so when he showed up, there's a camera there, and then he gets exposed by TMZ, and it looks like Lamar's the crazy man. Now, did he do wrong? Did he, did he have a drug problem? Did he have issues in his life? Did too many people close to him die, and he had a hard time dealing with that? Yes, 
but this was supposed to be the family that brought him in. And so that's the only thing. I feel like it did damage because they didn't embrace him enough. Mm. Listen, i got to pick my spots, so I'm not spending a lot of time at the theater these days, but when I do go, I'm still about the action flicks. Kevin, yeah. where the hell did the good movies go? Where is the next Die Hard, the next Born, the next Statham? Hell, I'm a huge John Wick guy. Really, I was not that happy with the sequel. Where is the next kick-ass movie, or is it all superheroes in tights and comic book shit? It, it's, it's, isn't that fascinating? I mean, because... There used to be these original ideas or these people who could build franchises. And now there are those people, The Rock. Um, you look, you know, Kevin Hart is going through it right now. But they're in romantic comedy genre, not right. romantic comedy, but action kind of action comedy genre. No, there hasn't been this crazy action film. If you're a sci-fi guy, there's the new Blade Runners coming out. That's going to be amazing. But, you know, everybody wants to do a biopic or they want to make a gazillion dollars. So it always comes down to, do you want to go to the, for the Oscar and do you want to do a movie that will make no money but the critics will love? Or do you want to go for the money and you just sign on for one of these superhero franchises? By the way, I like The Kingsman. It is a franchise and it has a ton of people. I thought the first one was brilliant and I like the second one a lot. You know what? I haven't seen the second one. I saw the first one. I like the first one. So I'll probably see the second one. In fact, I will see the second one. Now, where it do you come action, out? action, Jim. That was action. I know. It was. It was good. I liked it. I liked it. But you should give that some run. Well, I, for sure. For sure. Kevin, where do you come out on Tom Cruise? Are you a Tom Cruise guy? Yeah. I, and you have. And people have to remember, like, no one ever really gets close to Tom Cruise. You know how, like, like Jordan, covering Michael Jordan, Jim. No one ever really got close to Michael. Michael would know who you were. He'd say hello. He'd say, but you never get really inside the circle. And so, I mean, I look, I think that Tom is fantastic. And why he keeps doing his own stunts, I don't know. But when you go to sit down with him, when you go to talk to him, he is always ready for you. He's always ready. You know, like when he walks in the room, he's like, Kev, what's up? How you been? Hey, I remember this, blah, blah, blah. And then he sits down and he's ready to rock and roll. Hmm. So I like that. He comes to play. You know, when it comes to interviews, he comes to play. That's funny about that, Kevin. Whenever somebody says, and you know this because you were in sports for so long, when somebody says, hey, is that your guy? Is that your team? I always say, look, I don't have a guy. I don't have a team. I don't root. But when I talk to you about entertainment, I can say, hey, are you a Tom Cruise guy? And I don't even mean like, do you like the guy? Are you connected to the guy? But do you like his movies? Do you respect his movies? And I'm glad you mentioned that thing about the stunts because, and look, I'm not going to apologize for it. I like Tom Cruise. In fact, I like the movies. I like Jack Reacher. I like Mission Impossible. Mm -hmm. But... But because he face-planted on the side of a building recently and he has to do his own stunts, but is he now the proverbial shot fighter? <laughs> no, no, he just needs to stop. He has to, you know, just like he just did American Made, and he flew down to the set in Columbia. He flew down there because, you know, he's one of those guys who can fly now. He has his pilot's <laughs> license. He flew the plane some in during, during the movie. It's like, dog, you're the star. Ride this out. Keep yourself alive. Don't hurt yourself again. And it's hard. Mortality is a monster. We see it in sports. Dudes don't want to quit. You know that. The boxer who goes in for one, like you said, the shot fighter who goes in one time too many. It's like the stunts are over, bro. But you're still the man. You're not, that doesn't mean you're not the man. Just you're not going to do the stunts anymore. You just need to figure that out and, 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 and come to terms with it. It's like we all, we put on, you know, our shorts and stuff, and we're like, I'm going down to the courts to run. And some young boys come through, and they, they kill you. No, just go and sit there and watch and enjoy the game with the young fellas and, you know, cheer them on and shoot some jumpers afterwards. But stop doing the stunts, Tom. Stop. Mm -hmm.
Now, pretty much all athletes, Kevin, want to be entertainers. You know this. You see this up close and in person. Mm-hmm. Most of them have no shot whatsoever. Who are you looking at right now who is an athlete who could cross over and not maybe make it but possibly dominate in this town? Could LeBron do it? Could he dominate? Like, what's he thought of? How has he thought of around town in terms of being an EP or a content creator? Uh, people are like, you have a successful track record and what they're doing. See, people discounted that crew. When LeBron put that crew together, they discounted what they could do. But when they go out and they get a $15 million deal to start up Spring Hill Entertainment, you have to say, hmm, that's interesting. When Survivor's Remorse is still on TV, when they now have several shows under the Spring Hill brand, you look at LeBron and you say, well, you understand, you guys understand the landscape of Hollywood and how to get a show on. Now, imagine what happens when allegedly LeBron comes here to L.A. I mean, I, I do know he was walking around looking at schools for his kids. Um, I do know that he set up shop here and he has a beautiful house. So I'm just saying, allegedly, if LeBron comes, I think he could be the guy because he will be steeped in entertainment. He gets it. I mean, even go back to when he was in the Amy Schumer um, movie Trainwreck. He was really good, mm-hmm. and he stole scenes. So LeBron could be that guy. And you have, we, haven't had an, we haven't had an athlete-slash-entertainer like that since Shaq. Now, Butta, you are running your own little empire now. You founded HipHollywood.com. What is HipHollywood.com? So it is urban entertainment. It is, it is a lot of – so here's what you have to understand. I'm on the, the most watched entertainment news magazine show on the planet, and there's a lot of stuff that we cover that, wouldn't, would, that doesn't go out into the entire world, or at least certain demographics. So Hip Hollywood really covers a much more urban demographic. And so with that, you will see a lot of stuff that you will love, you, will, you would watch normally, but it doesn't make it onto the entertainment shows because we only have 22 minutes. And when you have the biggest entertainers in the world on, on entertainment tonight, there's some others that fall through the cracks that people want to hear from. So that's really what um, Hip Hollywood is all about. And that's why, you know, it's, it's, it's my little baby. It's smart. I love it. It's so good. You can remember back in the day, going back to Calabasas for a minute, when you and I first met on the FX Sports Show in the mid-90s, remember we had that triumphant run. We went, I think, one season. And the beauty of that <laughs> deal was, and you have a good memory for this sort of thing, did we not have a two-year deal? Did they not pull the show after the first year? First year? And did they not pay us for another year or at least another season? Um, first of all, the show could have gone on. I mean, it was, listen. It should just, still be on, see, first of all. Let's be straight. It should have had a 20-year run. It was bad. It was bad. And, um, you know, they pulled. But by bad, you mean awesome. Because they said we're going to start Fox Sports Net. So I was like, oh, great. Okay, so we're going to do this other thing. So that's the reason why they pulled us. It sucked. Let's be honest. Like, like, let's be self-aware. Yeah, but but Kevin, we didn't suck. It sucked. The show sucked. But, look, (laughs) there have been good players in bad situations. The Kevin Johnson who played in Cleveland was different from the Kevin Johnson who went to Phoenix. The, you know, there are different people who, for some reason, they get in the right situation and everything works out. The show sucked. <laughs> it sucked. All right, so the show sucked. I'll give you that. The show sucked. I bring that up, though, for this reason. I think, though, that it sucked, and they pulled it, but they owed us money. Now, at that time, I was doing a radio show, so I kept just grinding my thing out. But I seem to remember that you were not doing the same thing that I was doing during the day. What were you doing during the days while we were still getting paid? Um, I had to come into work once a week. That was it. We came into work once a week, and that once a week, I had to just basically go sit in an office for like 20 minutes, 
um, sign my paperwork and get a paycheck. And then the rest of the week, I was playing tennis. That's, that's what I'm real. saying. I, 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 watched, I watched so much Maury Povich, my brain almost exploded. That and Jerry Springer. Um, I, I remember I used to call my wife at work every day around 11 o'clock to tell her what was on Springer. <laughs> and then that one day a week, I'd drive it around 10 o'clock in my little Volkswagen Cabriolet. No, I was like, bro, God, Kevin, I want to be Kevin so badly. He's playing tennis, and, dude, he's getting good. Now he can beat my ass in tennis. He's playing tennis. He's hooping. He's watching Maury. He is living the life, and he's living in a really nice complex. Really nice complex, man. This is good I was good so work. happy. That was bad. But then, I mean, remember, you were humping it, and you had the nice big crib. I mean, I would come over for barbecues, but you were, you were living up on the hill, bro. Yeah, but, Let's dude, you were, you were so much happier, though. You were so much happier. Uh, but really quickly, if you've got a couple of minutes left, I want to do something because you're the only guy I know who can handle this type of thing. I okay, thought about on. this. I want to blend pop culture and sports together. I want to give you a matchup with a couple of different scandals. Yep. If you could tell me which one was the bigger scandal and why, that'd be incredible. All you right? got it. Really quickly, Mel Gibson's leaked recordings or Donald Sterling's leaked recordings? Donald Sterling's leaked recordings because they ended his whole run. Mel Gibson came back. I mean, you know, all of a sudden you're like, boom, Mel's back. I mean, he's got a movie coming out um, uh, this Christmas with um, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. So, I mean, he is dodged, he dodged the bullet. I mean, he got he got hit for a second. He was taken down, and then he was like, boom, I'm back. Now what? Now what? It's true. Donald Sterling, done. Garzo, right. see you when I see you. Tiger Woods' fallout after the 08 car crash or Charlie Sheen's 2011 meltdown? I'm going to go – with Tiger Woods because it ended the greatest run in sports history. That was the end of it. I mean, at that moment, at that moment when Tiger Woods, when his wife hit his car with that driver, that ended it. Everything was done. When he smashed into that tree, his, I mean, it took down one of the greatest empires and one of the greatest players of all time. Charlie Sheen, he had a show on, um, on cable just a year ago. It sucked, but he had a show on cable. Right, right. All right. Manti Teo getting catfished or Ryan Lochte making up that robbery story in Rio? Manti Teo getting catfished because he went along with it. I mean, honestly, aren't we looking for Renee Kukul or whatever her name was still to this day? I mean, come on. He, he, he rolled with that so strong. And how has he never really had to sit down and explain that he played along with it, that he got up? You know, everybody has given him a pass, but, like, he played – he was in it. He was in it. No, it's true. He doesn't. He doesn't explain that, and nor is he no, held to that. He, he owes us Every, an explanation. Meanwhile, Ryan Lochte just got the hell out of Brazil, and the next thing you know, he's on Dancing with the Stars. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, D'Angelo Russell diming on Nick Young, or Rob Kardashian posting revenge porn of Black China. D'Angelo Russell, because it ended his run in Los Angeles. No one trusted him after that, and it derailed his, um, his run. And everybody was like, yo, he's a snitch. Even to this day, when he went to the, um, when he, when he went to the Nets, people look around, they're like, bro, put your phone down. Put your phone down. You're a snitch. Put your phone down. That's going to follow him forever. All right, finally. Forever. Steve Harvey announcing the wrong Miss Universe, or the Oscars announcing the wrong Best Picture? wrong best picture because with the Miss Universe, it was still okay because we still don't know who Miss Universe is and you don't care. Whereas with the Oscars, <laughs> folks celebrated in front of a huge audience like they had just won. I mean, all those people came down on the stage. They'll never live that down. You'll always see those folks um, from La La Land. You'll be like, yeah, bro, you won all those Oscars, but you were the one who walked down on the stage. And you were also the one who said, give me that. Moonlight is one.
Uh, I love you, man. It is so good to get caught up. You are the best. Great to have you Dude, on, butter. You know you're my guy, and I love you, and, and I wouldn't be here without you, man. You know that. There you go. Episode 5 all wrapped up. I hope you enjoyed that. Love doing it. And listen, don't forget to subscribe, because as soon as you do, you will not have to go looking for this thing. It will find you automatically. And remember, we've got the podcast living on iTunes, Google Play, and GymRome.com, so you're covered completely. And a special message to iTunes users. If you have an extra minute and you can leave a review, that goes a long, long way in increasing the visibility of the pod. It is easily the single best thing that you can do to help me grow this thing, and I appreciate your support. Thanks so much. And don't forget about the daily radio program, which airs live on CBS Sports Radio and streams on gymroom.com. It's Monday through Friday, 12 to 3 Eastern. This has been a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to episode six. As always, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. I'm out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.